You're listening to the Fringe Legal Podcast. This is the show for lawyers and law firm leaders. I'm your host, Ab. In each episode, I talk with technologists, key players, and experts to help you navigate the changing landscape that is the legal profession. If you're looking for strategies, learn about trending topics, get updates from the experts, then this is the place for you. Let's get to it. Welcome to this episode of the Fringe Legal Podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Alison. Alison is the Head of Knowledge Management at El Tamimi and Company. They're the largest full service firm in the Middle East. Alison has quite a diverse background. She used to be a lawyer, worked at a number of leading firms before joining Al Tamimi in, in the UK. And she also used to be a lecturer. We have a couple of random mutual connections, people that she's taught in the past. She's now in Dubai. Alison, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Av. I'm delighted. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And for the audience, we're going to try something a little bit different today from the usual. I mentioned to some of my colleagues and contacts, including some of you guys who listen to the podcast, that I'm going to have Alison on. And instead of going through a particular topic, I wanted to give some of some of those folks a chance to basically ask as many questions and whatever questions they had to a head of knowledge. So I think we're going to go through some of those uh, similar to a panel type format. We'll try, still try and keep it as conversational as possible. But I guess to start with, Alison, how did you get to be the head of KM and what took you to Dubai? So there's a, there's a long version to answer that question. And then there's the abridged version. I'll spare the listeners the longer version. I've been in Dubai for just over five years now. But prior to that, as you rightly said, I've practiced as a lawyer and I've worked in lots of different jurisdictions. Those include Chile, New York, India and the UK. And my journey to Dubai, as I said, started about five years ago. I was previously working for one of the Magic Circle firms in New York. And then I moved back to London and then over to Dubai. And it was whilst I was with that Magic Circle firm, having stopped practicing law quite a few years ago. I've moved into the knowledge and learning function at the Magic Circle firm, which saw me working within the knowledge management team, supporting clients through knowledge and learning. And about two years ago, my boss at Altamimi approached me and said, look, we've got a new role as head of knowledge management at the firm. Would you be interested in taking up that role. It's brand new. It's a greenfield site. But we could really do with somebody of your experience to come in and help put in place some structure and strategy as the firm is is kind of moving at quite a fast pace. So mm. as you rightly said, Altamimi is the largest law firm in the Middle East. So I mulled it over for a while and then thought, yeah, this sounds like a great opportunity. So moved to Altamimi last April, April 2018. So I'm just coming up to my 18-month anniversary with them. Fantastic. Yeah, I didn't realize you were in Chile, actually. So you moved around, yeah. quite, you moved around quite a lot, Yeah, which is interesting. And so your initial move to KM when you were still at the Magic Circle firm, was that a, I guess, a deliberate choice or a accidental way that you sort of found yourself doing that? It was a mixture of both, actually. So my previous experience, I didn't really know what KM was, to be honest with you. 
and I think we'll come on to this a, a bit later mm. on. But I stopped practicing law. I, I practiced in, in Chile and in India. And then when I moved to New York, I took up the role of the PSL in the banking team in the in the firm that I was in, in in New York. And that quickly developed into a broader role for for the office as a whole. And I became the, the knowledge and learning manager for the New York office. That then took me back to the UK and I actually did a different job when I moved back with that magic circle firm back to the UK and I started off back in the UK as the executive manager to the senior partner and I did that for a couple of years Mm. but really my passion was back in the knowledge and learning function. After we'd moved back from India I'd taught postgraduate law as, as you mentioned for a few years and so I'm a fellow of the higher education academy and I really enjoy the teaching, facilitation, knowledge sharing aspects that that role gave me. And so having moved back into the knowledge and learning function at the Magic Circle firm in London, I then carried on doing that same role in Dubai. So it was a bit of engineering, a bit of luck, as is always the case, I think, with a lot of these roles. But I was very happy to say goodbye to timesheets and 3 a.m., conference calls and clients chatting down the phone wanting to know where the documents were so it's been great it's been it's given me lots of really good experiences and opportunities since i since i made the move yeah excellent and yeah i think we'll certainly go into uh, what is km because i found and maybe maybe we start there actually because i found i've spoken to quite a few km folks in various capacity both on the podcast and personally and my wife's in km actually and everyone tends to give me this a different answer a different interpretation to that and i think that that's that's somewhat natural and depending on the size and the function of the firm or if you're even in legal that tends to vary so i guess from your perspective as someone who's had exposure to km across multiple firms and probably in different capacities as a leader in KM, how would you describe it if you were to hire someone today? What would you tell them KM is? So it's really interesting that you've spoken to several people about this and that you've got lots of different definitions because that is exactly the way (laughs) that knowledge management is. I'm not skirting the question. It's just that there are myriads of definitions and it can be really difficult to define. Hmm. I think I read recently somebody had defined it as knowledge management focusing on helping organisations leverage the knowledge that that institution has in a planned, structured manner to be able to achieve business benefits. And that resonated quite loudly with me and quite clearly. So I, I think that would be my go-to definition. Mm-hmm. Knowledge management has changed over the years since it became a term used in law firms. So I think it, it embraces a whole host of different activities that take place within law firms in particular. So sorry, that's a bit of a fudged answer, isn't it? That's not what you were hoping. <laughs> it's okay. I can tell you're a lawyer. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's helpful. And I mean, rightly so. It does tend to vary from not just experiences, but what a organization is trying to achieve. Because in, in my experience, at least, it, knowledge management tends to be quite closely tied to the strategic function and the business function, right? So it's almost this bridge. And certainly in law firms, this bridge connecting the lawyers to the business, the wider business objectives. Yeah. You know, as as you were sort of talking about that, 
that definition of sort of leveraging knowledge, and these are sort of three key components I, I took away from it, but it's sort of leveraging knowledge in a planned way and I guess executing in a structured manner. And what one of the points that I I think I sent across to you by email ahead of this was thinking about knowledge management. And this is just actually that was my question. I think of knowledge knowledge management as managing the past, present, and future. And the yeah. past is all about how do you leverage the knowledge that exists now? The present yeah. is all about, you know, how do you do so in a structured manner? And I'm sort of superimposing into your definition, I guess. And the future is yeah. thinking more about, you know, how do you plan not just for the future, but how do you execute on the strategy for the business going forward and make the accessibility, the execution easier. So I guess it's not really a question in there, but if you were to think about, and as you do in your role, uh, thinking about, you know, leveraging that knowledge and making it easier for the users, how do you approach that? How do you approach that at the firm now? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting to see how the legal sector has developed over, certainly over the past 25 years since I've been in the profession. When I first started out, there's obviously explicit and tacit knowledge. So the explicit knowledge being the black letter law stuff, the laws, regulations, the processes, that type of thing. The tacit knowledge is, is and, and explicit knowledge is really easy to capture because we've got it there in front of us. The tacit knowledge is the trickier stuff, the stuff that's in people's heads, yeah. the stuff that all the senior partners within organisations, within teams have got due to years of experience of doing, of doing deals and, and that commercial awareness that comes with it. Mm. So... From when I first started, knowledge management existed in the form of librarians, I guess, and dusty paper files and indeed people speaking to each other. And that has changed quite considerably, as we have seen over the past two, three decades with the with the advent of technology. When I started, we didn't have computers on our desks. I'm showing my age now. We just had dictaphones and fax machines and you walked documents up to council. That didn't mean that we didn't have knowledge management in place. It just meant that it was done differently. So fast forward to today, making sure that we are managing the information that already exists. Again, it's a lot easier with the explicit knowledge because we can put legal tech around that we can develop knowledge banks we can ensure that people are we're capturing sharing distributing that knowledge that people are developing the tricky bit though is as we know we're here to as lawyers we're a know-how business that's Mm -hmm. what we sell and I always have to remind our lawyers when there's reluctance to share knowledge that they've created or acquired. Mm-hmm. It's a case of we don't create widgets. We're not widget inventors. We sell our knowledge and that's what our clients pay for us to do. Mm-hmm. And I think knowledge, again, I read a quote recently that knowledge was like water and that given the opportunity, it's got the potential to run through everything. But people won't share that most valuable resource of knowledge without trust. So you've got to build up trust with people. So there's both hard and soft skills that come with that that knowledge management role, making sure that we are managing that information from the past, making it more accessible. So we've moved on from the era of hard, hard files with treasury tags in and bits of paper in and making sure that 
but we are enabling the lawyers to be able to only be one or two clicks away from the bit of information that they need. That doesn't mean that we are still able to capture all the tacit knowledge. And I think that is the ongoing struggle. Mm. How do we get all that information out of lawyers' brains, particularly, as I said, the ones that have been around for quite a while, and translate translate that into a useful resource for others? And I haven't got the solution. So if anybody mm. has any, please let me know. <laughs> sure thing. I think that's a good sort of high-level categorization of knowledge. And I, I was, as I mentioned to you before, I was in Singapore and actually, I saw quite a few presentations around knowledge and solving the knowledge dilemma, as it might be. And they they sort of broke it even further. So within the two categories of explicit and tacit, they've yeah. delved further into saying, actually, really you can classify the knowledge into three categories. There's client-specific knowledge, there's a specific domain knowledge, and then there's the hardest of it all to capture and certainly share, which is the the in-house knowledge, right? That yeah. your lawyers have in their brain. So as you're looking through those two categories of explicit and tacit and trying to capture developments, well, encourage people to share that, what's the hardest part of that? Is it just getting people to share? Is it to develop systems and processes or something else? I think it's the former. I think it's getting people to share. That's my more recent experience. People, lawyers in particular, as, as you know, can be quite risk averse. They're suspicious. <laughs> they're not sure about change. And, and change management is a, is a key thing mm-hmm. in terms of bringing people along on that journey and getting them to understand the value of sharing that knowledge. And I think, yeah, it does come down to the fact that we need to reassure people that what we're trying to do is for the benefit of the business. And more importantly, it's for the benefit of our clients. So clients, whatever we do, we need to have clients at the center of of whatever that project, that initiative may be. Why are we doing this? We're doing this to ensure that we are able to provide the best service to our clients. We're able to provide that in a timely manner. We're able to provide the best quality legal advice we can. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be done in an efficient way. And if we're scrambling about trying to find some advice or a precedent or whatever it may be in relation to how to do a deal or piece of advice, then that that reflects badly on us. And that's not how I've seen the, the legal sector develop in, in recent years. So the what's in it for me bit and mm-hmm. the change management are the biggest struggles, I think. But we're chipping away and we're getting there. And once once people understand the value of what they're doing and how it can benefit the, the whole firm and them in particular, then you you get somebody who's who's a convert but it, mm. it's not always straightforward. Yeah, and I think that that's bang on. And I think all of that goes into sort of building that trust that just enables people to just yeah. want to share that little bit more, right? And then part of it is just yeah. getting that 1% improvement every day. So it compounds over time. Yeah. And I think one of the other questions someone suggested to ask you, it wasn't really a question. Again, most of these aren't questions or statements. Uh, very, very loyally, <laughs> most of them, which is fine. Well, that's okay. <laughs> which was sort of, that's you know, okay. how, I guess, to make it into a question, how do you, how do you work on building that culture 
that strong culture, I guess, around sharing in in this sort of time of extreme change. And my sort of interpretation of the extreme change is more, and you talked about it a little bit, right, over the last sort of 5, 10, 15 years, just the way that legal work has done has yeah. developed and changed quite a lot. And actually, even from the time I've been in this profession, which has been about five, six years, I think back to it, which isn't that long in the in the scope of things. Actually, if I think back to how things were done five years ago, six years ago, it is completely different today. And yeah. not just the advancements in technologies and so on. It's just the overall, the practice of law has actually evolved in that time. How do you comfort people as they're going through that? Because I mean, to me, change is good, but I, I, I recognize I'm quite weird in thinking that not everyone will feel that way. I actually like change, but you know, most people tend to like change if it's positive and sometimes it's not perceived as that. So how do you battle with that? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, people get stuck when it mm. comes to change. So not knowing what the change that's required is or how to change are the biggest mm. challenges. But we are seeing the legal sector being disrupted in, in all ways. And we're seeing, just to kind of slightly go off topic, but we're mm -hmm. seeing the rise of the big four. We're seeing yeah. the rise of alternative legal service providers. And so the traditional ways of working are being displaced. We're also seeing, obviously, a younger workforce coming mm -hmm. in. So again, when I was a trainee solicitor, we had a dictaphone, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Now we've got very tech-savvy younger junior associates who are confused when I say, oh, I didn't have a computer. <laughs> and they just can't understand how we ever did, did deals. And I, I'm able to reassure them. I said, yeah, we still did massive deals. Right. We just weren't kind of switched on with a machine for 24 hours a day. So I think from a KM perspective, it's really important that we are there to support the change and actually be on the front foot and try and future-proof the firm in hand in hand uh, with the other functions within the firm to make sure that the KM function is a relevant, just in time and emergent function, which exists within within any law firm. Mm. We're, we're looking at big data, data driven digital platforms, changes in the way business is being run across across the entire world. So those traditional methods are being eroded. People are wanting to work more flexibly, more agilely. And there's just an expectation that they're going to be supported in being able to do that and that they are going to be able to find that information quite quickly. Yeah. So on the one hand, when you have somebody saying, yeah, I want a great internet, I want a great search engine, I want an amazing document management system, I want to be able to collaborate with colleagues and clients Mm. That that's fantastic, and that's that's an it's expected by by lawyers that that's going to be available to them. But they can't have all that and then not be sharing right. back in return. So it's not just a one way street. There's got to be that that loop that goes round, and, and whereby we can continue to learn as well from what's gone before, so that we can be consistently improving yeah. what we've done. And I think that's right, right? It's just sort of having that balancing act of saying, look, you have to change, but if you do so, this is what comes with it, all the positives, I guess. Yeah. That sort of, yeah. again, it's just providing that what's in it for me kind of response in some instances. And I guess one of the things you were, as you were talking about that, uh, one of the things I just realized is, that, you know, even you're in Dubai and speaking to a lot of the other firms in Dubai, 
knowledge is to me at least, and I could be completely wrong, so please do correct me. It seems like a relatively new practice, if I can call it that. And not every firm has that. A lot of firms are working to develop that function. I think certainly Altamimi is leading the pack, at least from the conversations I've had. So does that give you any, I guess, does that give you unique insight in, you know, the early stage development of that, whereas in other markets and other jurisdictions, when you might go into a firm that has a fully developed knowledge function, it's more about sort of improving that rather than just getting it up and running from the ground up. Yeah, I think that's a really fair comment and observation. So there's a bit of a dichotomy in Dubai, really, because Dubai is an amazing city, as you know. It's got the tallest building in the world. Everything's <laughs> glossy, marble. There's an, the, yeah. the government are very much forward thinking in terms of the national innovation strategy mm-hmm. that they've put in place. There's lots of stuff happening, lots and lots of stuff happening. However, the legal sector over here is still needing to catch up mm. with the vision of the rulers and leaders of the UAE. Mm. And I think Altamimi is definitely ahead of our local competitors in terms of building out that knowledge management function and realising the value of knowledge to to the firm. We can't keep operating in silos. That's a horrible term, but it's something that we hear all the time across the, the legal profession of people actually operating in silos it's nothing nothing new but we've got to make sure that we know what we know and yeah. that isn't always the case we don't know what we we don't know we don't know where it is so again it's making sure that we're capturing all the great stuff that people are producing that we're not again to use a horrible phrase reinventing the wheel all <laughs> the time and that we can stay ahead and deliver to our clients because that's that's what we're we're here to do. But yeah, it's interesting that the environment within Dubai, I think, is catching up. So I think the Middle East as a as a region mm. is slightly behind the rest of the world in terms of what it's doing from a knowledge management perspective. But we're we're moving in the right direction, which is a very positive thing. Yeah, and I think the appetite is certainly there and speaking to and I mean this is based on a very limited interaction for me, at least my, my team works with uh UAES, you know, but when I visited firms there earlier this year, certainly speaking to a lot of the firm leaders the appetite is still there. I think a lot of the firms yeah. are still figuring out how do you actually execute on that, right? And and which is which is really good to hear because you kind of need the appetite. That's lacking a lot of the times anyway. So once you have that, yeah. the rest of it comes easy. It's just a lot of research, yeah. a lot of due diligence, and then finding what fits well to be able to solve the, the issues that the firm wants to solve, to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also we need to remember that countries over here, the UAE is, is young in, yeah, in, in terms of how long it's been in existence for. So, you know, we're not talk, talking even half a century yet. Yeah. So we're a young country. So therefore, the law firms that have been operating, local law firms that mm-hmm. have been operating here are also equally young. Yeah. And so there is a bit of catch up. My old law firm is 180, 185 years old. Right. So they've had a long time to bed down Mm. the systems and processes and get the right people in. Whereas over here, you do have a stark difference in terms of the longevity or the, or the, the, the length of time that those, the law firms over here that have been operating for, but we are understanding and seeing 
what others are doing and how we can kind of take their some of their ideas and and hone them so that they work well for us mm. and uh, and hopefully kind of jump ahead because they've gone through the the trials and tribulations and we can kind of jump ahead of them and put in place even better processes for ourselves yeah and uh, very much so i think you know you guys get to build on top of all the lessons that people have learned through experimentation and and yeah. mistakes and so on they've made which is a good place to be but there are certain things which are probably unique to that market languages being one of them actually and multiple languages yeah sections yeah cultures which you just have to figure out yeah um, i think that's right but the thing which which unites everybody is we're just people so it's people yeah. and people people particularly lawyers and having worked in five jurisdictions <laughs> lawyers are the same the world over the same the world over <laughs> so it, again it comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the change management and, yeah. and taking people along with you yeah. and making sure that as a km function that you are positioning yourself to be the facilitators of practice innovation and, and enabling people to understand what tools what legal tech is out there for them so that you can be ahead of them but mm. be able there to support them yeah and i think that beautifully leads on to the next point i wanted to ask which uh, kind of two questions one is you know how what are lawyers coming to for and this could be around innovation it could just be generally or or tech and the other question which was quite popular was how does at least at your firm i'm sure it differs from firm to firm how do you guys work with the it or the technology leaders at the firm as you're thinking about putting in place on these tools and technologies yeah so to answer the first question, lawyers are coming to us for a variety of different reasons. One of them is a big one, and this comes down to the fact that there's a tendency for people to think, oh, I'll, I won't try and find this myself or ask the KMT. I won't self-serve. And again, that is something which I've seen everywhere. So they come to us to ask for help with research questions right. for help with you know i can't log on to westlaw whatever it may be <laughs> so there's a lot of that that goes on um but equally and and i would say probably more so over the past couple of years hmm. they're also now coming to us and saying i need a solution for this particular problem and, and my role has broadened out to to look more carefully at what are we doing from an innovation and efficiency perspective mm -hmm. for the firm. And part of that is looking at legal tech solutions. But as with most organisations, we're not going to suddenly buy something and then throw it at everybody. It's got to be establishing what is the problem, mm. what are the options available to us to address that, that problem, finding the right solution and that may be legal tech it may not be legal tech right. applying it and then hopefully seeing what the results are uh, at the end of it so so yeah we've got quite a few lawyers who are saying i, I really need help with this this is taking up a long time mm. have you found anything that could you know support me with whatever it may be that they're they're struggling with so we've been doing quite a lot around that and making sure that they're and, purpose. and as you're as you're searching for whether it's legal solutions or 
otherwise. How yeah. do you do that? Is it just a matter of sort of leveraging your existing network, obviously the knowledge and experience you ha- you've had at other firms and so on, the good old sort of Googling of things or, or yeah, what's, what's the approach there? So I think for me, it's more a case of what I've seen in the past, what has worked in the past. Is that still relevant? Is that still current? Is that still something which would be of use within this region, within this market? And we have got a geographical spread from Egypt all the way over to Jordan, Iraq. So we're covering a lot of jurisdictions so it can't just be well this will work in Dubai and let's just throw it out there and see if it's going to work for our colleagues in Cairo Mm. we've got to be a bit more systematic and structured around that so it's a part of it is stuff that I've already had an awareness of Mm -hmm. it can also be a lawyer coming and saying actually I've seen this and I've had a little trial and Mm. I've tested it will you have a look just to see what you think and if you think it is something which we could use maybe we could do a, a wider trial so that's happened as well mm-hmm. but also I can be I keep quite a close pay close attention to what's going on from a legal tech perspective by reading quite a lot get the legal tech insider read the artificial lawyer etc mm-hmm. etc et you know all the legal publications yeah. that are out there because we're not going to think yeah let's just get that because that, that will solve all our issues as is the way as I'm sure you've heard many times before that there can be a bit of bespoking that needs to take place with a certain bit of legal tech and that it's not a case of one size fits all right. and that's where the other functions come in so to the, to the second part of your question Ab in terms of how how do we work with the other business services functions with IT in particular we have to work quite closely because I can see something and go, that looks fantastic and we should definitely invest in it or we should do a you know, big splash trial. Right. But actually, I need the IT guys to be able to join those conversations and understand what's happening at the back end. Is this going to fit what we've got? Do we need to bespoke it? So, so we have to work in a collaborative manner. It can't be that I'm just going off on a frolic of my own doing something and then mm. pulling in IT towards the end of those conversations because I think that would be disastrous for us. And are, are you finding that you, as you're sort of bringing in the your IT colleagues, that you have to, because I think obviously it needs to be, as you said, a collaborative approach, right? So they have the the technical know-how of all, all the the bits and bobs that are required to make that, let's call it a tool, work within the firm's environment. And obviously you have the use case that you're trying to solve for. Do they have an interest in wanting to learn a bit more about that, understanding that some of these tools are probably quite lawyer-specific, although not all of them? Um, or is that sort of you kind of divide and conquer there, so you, you will sort of assess it from use case perspective and they look at it from a technical perspective? I think that's exactly right. I think we divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. I think the IT guys are very much focused on does this fit with our existing platforms? Right. Can we make it work? How much involvement will we need? Will we need to be getting doing stuff on a day-to-day basis? Will we be needing to run reports and trying to figure out what the their remit is? Hmm. I think they're very happy to leave it to me and whoever's involved in the trial group to just 
have a look at the different options that are out there and 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 go with them. Yes, I think it is a divide and conquer at the moment. I mean, that that may well change. And if our head of our director of IT is listening, he'll probably disagree with me. But <laughs> that's my experience so far. But a bit in a collaborative way, you know, we have to right. do it in a collaborative way, so they know what's coming down the track. They know what what potentially is in the pipeline, and we can ensure that we schedule things appropriately, hmm. so that they don't come unstuck and and they don't. And I don't become the person that's most hated in the firm as a result. <laughs> right. And I, I think that makes sense, right? I, I think it's hard in any large organization and it, it's the way it should be that you don't want to start making just decisions in silo without taking into consideration other projects, priorities and so on. And it doesn't have to yeah. mean that something doesn't get done. It just means that there maybe just has to be a, a allocation of resources based on you know, what the priorities are of different parties, because I'm sure you're probably one of many, many people across the entire firm and the business that are going to IT asking for certain things and vice versa, right? There's probably a lot of lawyers coming to you asking you for a whole bunch of things and you have to be able to sort through all of that. Yeah, and that, that actually, that came up today. So that's a, that's a very timely comment because that came up today where we had a call on a particular project that we're working on mm. and the IT guys just said, look, due to an upgrade for the DMS, we're just going to have to just readjust the, the time frame for implementation mm. of this until mid-October. Because, again, you're absolutely right. It's all about resourcing and where are the priorities. Mm. And the thing that I'm trying to do actually is trumped by the DMS upgrade and rightly so. Right. So it is a case of making sure that we're not going in blind and that I'm not you know, jumping up and down saying, oh, this has to be <laughs> you know, done by 1st of October or whatever the date may be. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And being mindful of time. So I guess yeah. as we start to wrap up, the last point I wanted to just to make it, and I think you've shared a bunch of practical things and how you approach different different, I'm going to call them issues and problems that, that you're looking to solve. But what do you have one or two strategies for other people either working in KM or with KM at, and I'm going to make it quite specific to law firms that you would suggest in sort of keeping in mind or trying out as they try and navigate the world of uh, technology or just getting things done in a law firm? I think it's about stay. There's, well, there's lots of different things here. So I think it's staying ahead, seeing what's coming down the pipeline. How can you ensure that that KM function is the hub mm. of the organizational wheel so that you are creating value that can be delivered to the firm and to the clients in a, in a joined up strategy whereby you're connecting what's the knowledge that the firm has mm. with with making those improvements within that that institution i think it's also about as we mentioned earlier having both hard and soft skills mm. so km even with the advent of tech and there's a lot of it but that to me is a good thing i think legal tech is an enabler it's not a disruptor i think you do have to have those hard and soft skills so you need to have both tech and non-tech related skills you need to be able to build networks build relationships facilitate within your organization with people because we're still we're still a people business selling mm. know-how at the end of the day and and i think being able to join all that together as we are as you know it's been just discussed quite a lot in the in the past few months about us going through the fourth industrial revolution 
Mm. where we're changing the way that we're working, having all of that in mind has to be a good thing. I mean, law, I know we're, we're probably broader than law, but law is an industry that thrives on knowledge sharing and relationships and you layer on tech. And that to me is a win-win position to be in. Perfect. Yeah, very well said. And yeah, I, I think I agree with all of those points. And ultimately, I mean, what, what you said, I think you quoted someone is, you know, knowledge is kind of like water. And if if it's structured correctly, sort of flows through all the different functions and, and operatives at the firm. And I think, you know, I, I think as a KM leader, that sort of it's almost your your responsibility to facilitate that and um i mean as you were talking it sounds like your your role should be probably more the grand problem solver of all things <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the alternative title for a head of km <laughs> but yeah that, no that's very well put thank you so much allison any ask from the audience or if people wanted to get in touch is linkedin the best place for them to sort of connect with you reach out yes yeah, that would be great. Very happy. Very happy to be in touch with other people. And it's good to have a, a KM network where we can all bounce ideas off each other and discuss what, what we've done, what we do differently, etc. So, yeah, really keen for that to happen. Perfect. Yeah. And thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. And yeah, I'll link to a bunch of things that you've talked about today in the show notes. I'll certainly link to your LinkedIn profile as well. And uh, thanks once again. Thanks, Ab. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fringe Legal Podcast. Before you go, I have a huge favor to ask you. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It'll take less than a minute and really helps others find the podcast. Meanwhile, you can find the show notes and resources from the episode on our website at podcast.fringelegal.com. That's podcast.fringelegal.com. See you next time.